You're listening to Red Nation Online. Saturday, May 4th, it's Waking the Reds' Duncan Fletcher, and I'm Ian Clark. We're live and direct from the football factory, and not that it was really in the first place, but this isn't funny anymore. You guessed it, a late goal off a mistake and TFC leave Colorado with nothing in a 1-0 defeat. Despite the result, there's still plenty to talk about. We look at the premiere of Matias Laba. We look at Colorado's two draft picks, who played, versus Toronto's, who did not. And try to compare where TFC and Ryan Nelson are now to the last three coaches, and if they're at least on track to break out of the cycle from the previous three to four years. All in the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. <laughs> At least we've got galaxies jamming and yes. West Indian uh, uh, vibes to keep us. It makes everything better. Relaxed. Everything's diary. Yeah. Mm. Take it down a notch. Yeah. Yeah. Switch to pina coladas and we're fine. Dirt, have a dirty banana. Yeah. We'll be great. <laughs> a dirty banana. It's a tasty it, drink. And we're, we can rename yeah. it the Dirty Emery. How about that? Yeah. There you go. That sounds about right. So here we are. We, we, we uh, surprisingly we're at uh, the football factory, live and direct, and uh, all the people that came here for the TFC game didn't stick around for the second half. I know what happened. And they missed. They missed the they, goal. They were really excited, and then they just left at halftime. What? Yeah, it was weird. It was like at around you know uh, around nine thirty, ten o'clock. There was this huge celebration at the halftime. Everyone was cheering that uh, Toronto, I guess, went in the half at nil nil. And then they all got up and left. I know. And no one came back. I, I mean, they're obviously here for the TFC game. It's the football factory. Right. I, it's very strange. It was I weird. But, but uh, yeah, they, they missed the goal. I mean, come on. It, it's such a predictable thing. It's TFC. At least they're for injury time. It's like predictable. If, if you're going to come for any moment of a TFC game, the last 10 minutes, come on. That's where everything gets decided. Although... Maybe they were on the right track, Duncan. That's a Maybe good point. they said to themselves, yeah, you know what? I've seen enough, Yep. and my, know, hopes are, my hopes are not up. I know what's going to happen. I'm leaving. We've got a point, and I'm leaving. I don't need to see the end. <laughs> I'm leaving yeah. when a point is in the bag. This is what we all need to do. Yeah. Just watch for the first 75, 80 minutes, then stop. I mean, how many points would TFC have right now? We're, we're from top of the league. Yeah. Maybe not, but, you know, we're playoff place at least. Yeah. Woo! For sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, <laughs> this is this is where we're at, Duncan. Once again, yeah. we're sitting on. I guess it's. Am I right? I think it's gone to eight games now, where they where we've been scored on the second half, and we're looking at I think five or six in that last ten minutes. Um. Yes. At least. Yeah. I think it's six now. Especially now, it's um, looking it's looking very consecutive, except for the Dallas game. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the one where we came back. I think almost every game we played, it's come down. Yeah. Obviously, not the Montreal game. Uh, in the league, let's say. And we did let two goals in in injury time, but they weren't really important, those ones. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, as Colorado, New York, 
was before that Philadelphia, absolutely, LA. Even when we won, we, we let in a late goal to Kansas, then we almost let in another one. But yeah. you know, that's we, we just that was the only game we had a two 0 lead where we could afford to let one in. Yeah. And I dare I say that uh, the result might actually be fair given the matchup. When you look at two teams in transition, struggling Colorado with something like eight players down to injury, <laughs> yet they're at home. Yeah. We're coming off a midweek game. Yeah, there are a lot of things, like different factors and kind of balances out. But, yeah, no, I think on the balance of play, though, you know, it was a good away game for TFC. I mean, they generally kept it tight. The second half was a bit dodgy, but, the, I mean, the first half especially, we played a great first half on the road, kept it tight and got a couple of really good chances for Earnshaw. Uh, as I said, the second half was a bit dodgy, but, again, more or less survived in defense, got another great chance for Earnshaw. And, yeah, he's the, the clinical finisher we saw in March. He has apparently gone, and that's the difference between letting in a late goal to and still getting a point or letting in a late goal and getting a defeat. Yeah, and I think the, I think the important thing to just go back a little bit before we get on to Earnshaw is just saying that I think this game, especially considering the midweek debacle, I thought they actually were surprisingly yeah. played much better than I expected. Yes. Yeah, I, I was... Uh, Pleasantly surprised by yeah, pretty much the whole thing. The first half especially, even the second half wasn't that bad. You, you could say we deserve more from this one. Well, that's a, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the two things, I think, going into this game that I thought were the biggest challenge for Toronto were going to be, uh, you know, one of them was going to be their, their mentality going into it and then also the physical side of it. So you have this, you know, how are they going to get over a 6-0 drubbing only in three days? And then also... How are they going to end up traveling to Colorado, playing at altitude, after that result? Yeah, I mean, we've never really done all that well at Colorado. I feel like we generally beat Colorado at home, no problem. But, you know, at the dick, we have problems. In fact, I, if I'm not mistaken, the statistic is we do beat Colorado at home every time. <laughs> Pretty much. We've never even drawn them. We've actually won every time Colorado. 100% versus Colorado I'm, I'm with BMO? 99% sure. Yeah. Without nice. turning on my phone and pausing the podcast, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand by that. And that's, unfortunately, we don't play Colorado at home this year. No. So damn balanced schedule. Yep. So we're we're SOL on, on that. <laughs> that was the one game we could count on. <laughs> that was the joke. That's that's been the running joke. So I mean, yeah, Toronto comes out, and the thing, of course, with with Colorado is, I feel like they're also a side that's been in sort of transition. A lot yeah. of new faces coming in, but yeah, I think they're I'm, in like the second year of their rebuild. The uh, Oscar Pereja. But I mean, on paper. I think they're not a bad-looking team. It's a matter of when they come together and can they put together the right right starting lineup. I mean, we saw towards the end, if you look at the attacking formation of Buttle, Wonga, and then Deshaun Brown comes on. Yep, they got Rivero in behind them as well. Number 10. Yeah, exactly. Number 10 with L- a... With Latino a, number 10. With he's, a stylish... He's got to uh, be dangerous, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they've got... You know, I think they are going to be a good team. As they, they've... You know, they've. This is maybe where there's hope for TFC. They kind of went through a rebuild last year, and they weren't great last year. And then you know, they got rid of a bunch more guys, got rid of like Casey and Cummings and everything. This is, you know, it's no longer Gary Smith's Colorado. It's very much a new team. They're in their second year, and it's like on paper their squad it looks good. It's been injured. They've never quite got it together yet. But uh, yeah, and it's it's very much the benefit of 
you know, you start a rebuild and you stick with it, which is, you're probably, I mean, how many rebuilds of TFC on now? Definitely Preki, Winter, Mariners, I mean... Two can, in one season yeah, last year? I mean, you know, there's, there's an obvious step backwards every time when you kind of destroy the team and then you kind of rebuild it in your own manner. And they've actually taken the time now to kind of stick with that. That's, you know, maybe if we do that, a year from now we'll be looking at TFC and saying, yeah, on paper we're a good team. And let's, let's go through, let's run through this match and start off with the lineup in terms of what we witnessed on Wednesday and what was put on in the field today. Not too many you change. Of course, Ashton Morgan doesn't even make the trip. Yeah. Who, who would have thought we'd all be saying, oh, it's a good job that Emery's in there instead of Morgan? Who'd have thought that? <laughs> <laughs> and after this game, who's going to be saying that again? I don't know. It, it generally worked out. It's just he had a good game. Until Maybe it's that just that position. Moment. The position yeah. is cursed. Left back's cursed. That's yeah. all it is. It's, Ever um, since, yeah. 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 since Precky shafted Jimmy Brennan and, and forced him out. I was going to say ever since the, the Tom Donovan left. The curse of Jimmy B. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, ever since we Tom got rid of Tom Donovan. Yeah. Uh, left and went to LA and established himself as one of the better play, the yes. better left backs of yeah. the league. Uh, we've embarrassed ourselves. But, uh, yeah. you know, across the board, I, you know, it looked like it was the side that you would probably expect, or we've been seeing for the most part week in, week out, especially up top with Earnshaw. And now that Braun was injured, sort of paired up with Silva, which I thought made sense. It does, yep. I, you know, I think Silva's one of the few players we've got aside from Earnshaw. You, you'd think, you know, yeah, that guy is a goal threat. He's He can finish. Um, you know, we haven't seen it yet this year, but he's definitely got that potential. He showed it last year, so that makes sense. Yeah. For sure. There we go. In midfields, Laba. Yes. We got Laba now. And, yeah, not bad at all. Well, that's a good first, uh, good start. Yeah, that's, that's sort of, as we go through the game, let's, let's talk about Matias Laba. I thought, I thought he delivered on, I thought, you know, what little we knew of him, mm. we, we saw that today for the most part. Yeah, he, he was solid defensively. He had, you know, there was some good moments. And there was one little bit where, you know, he sort of moved into space and Colorado just passed it right at him. It's like, hey, he knows what they're going to do. Yeah. This is great. He can read the game. Um, you know, he didn't do anything particularly fancy. Kind of kept it simple with his passing. There were one or two sort of more ambitious, like, nice passes. So it was a promising start. He's, he's no... I don't think he's going to revolutionize things, but it was a decent step. And you know what? Maybe uh, without segueing too far out of it, I mean, is this the kind of guy that we were want, we needed when Julian de Guzman came in? Is this the kind of defensive midfielder or midfielder or holding midfielder that actually makes more sense than what we got for the last three years? Yeah, but I think, you know, this is pretty much what de Guzman should have been bringing, you know. I think a lot of people were kind of pissed off at, like, de Guzman that, oh, you know, he's not scoring goals or doing this, what's going on, he's a DP. But this is basically what de Guzman should have been doing, just, you know, the basic kind of keep it simple, kind of be that rock in midfield in front of the back four and, you know, maybe win the ball, then pass it on to the more creative players. That that guy, it's it's an important role in the team. And for whatever reason, the Guzman couldn't do it. Labo, one game in, looks okay. We'll see. Yeah, of course, and that's that's a, obviously what needs to be the disclaimer that needs to be put on the top. Of the, one there's game. a big caveat to that, One, yes. one, game, one game in. But, I mean, that's, I think if you want to compare what we've seen uh, from the team over the last couple of years, especially with the Guzman kind of taking that position and, you know, him him clocking in at roughly 5'8", 
maybe a buck sixty on a good day. Mm-hmm. Lava looks like maybe he's coming in at more of a five ten, five eleven, buck seventy, somewhere around there. <laughs> it's yeah. a small difference. It's a small yeah. difference, but I mean, it looks like he might be able to hold his own a lot better. And we even saw that one play, if I'm not mistaken, it was with uh, against Atiba Harris, uh, who, who was clearly dubbed uh, by a over the frame, <laughs> uh, that fucking prick. Yes. yes. Uh, you know, just goes has no problem going shoulder to shoulder mm. and, and just. Taking out someone who's yeah, know, six he, foot two or whatever. Yeah, he didn't look like nobody was physically dominating him, and yeah, he, he looks like the kind of player who will uh, kind of go in there and get dirty and throw in a nasty tackle here or there where it needs to get done. So, you know, that that's you know theoretically at least that's the kind of guy Toronto fans love. You know, if you like take it to hockey, you sort of Wendell Clark, Darcy Tucker, Ty Domi kind of player, you know, who's more of like kind of grit and effort and kind of dirty tackles that sort of thing yeah so if he can do that then you know he should prove popular and take a little bit of pressure off him and it just kind of dawned on me and it's something that i think i'll circle back to later on the podcast in terms of you know looking through the 90 minutes of the game and and the key points and where this team has is in terms of its talent and its quality and when you look through the 90 minutes really like all the key moments came from who have been our most consistent players through the first two months of the season, and that's Joe Bendick and Robert Earnshaw. Yes. You know, we in the first half we see, actually in the first half we see both of them stand out with Joe Bendick like, making some nice saves, and Robert Earnshaw, and as I've sort of been harping on a couple of podcasts, mm-hmm. missing chances. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. now it's we're getting to a point where I said it when we were watching the game, like, I think he fucking jinxed himself. <laughs> He's, he, yes. he Threw his own, yeah. put a curse out on his own self by saying this this ridiculous line of "I want to be missing chances." And tonight, I think that's one one part of the story is that Robert Earnshaw had some yeah. really nice chances that yeah. he couldn't convert. Absolutely, I mean, I mean that that's got to be like TFC's plan going into this in an away game. You can just keep it tight, and we you know, we got chances, and these weren't like early in the season where it was like the defense messing up and Earnshaw just pouncing on something. We legitimately created three very good chances for it and you know those first few games he was like lethal he would have been knocking those in this time you know the first one he's got a chance he just hits it like right down the middle essentially right at the goalie then another two he's like skies one over the bar after like silver dummied it lovely but then he skies it over bar then he gets another chance late in the second half and yeah it's the the earnshaw of march like the lethal oh yeah this this guy's a great finisher yeah, that guy's gone, really. <laughs> and that's the difference between TFC. I mean, in March, we looked like a good team. In April and now in May, it's like, mm, yeah, maybe not so much. I think that's like the big difference. Even like the last couple of games before tonight, he's had a few chances here or there, like in the box, fairly close. He's just been snatching at them. He's not quite at, like, really fully got it right now. And we, we don't, uh, you know, we need him to be at 100% lights out lethal to, to stand a chance really yeah and I think that's I think that's sort of what's revealing itself now is the nature of his goals early on in the season and sort of how they happened and I think you know we weren't seeing those goals created from open plays so to speak and now that they're happening from open play it's kind of we're seeing a different side of the story of, of sort of what to expect and, and that's what it is is that Robert Earnshaw I think needs a few more chances uh, 
when you're sort of building the play up and working and having some interplay between him and Silva and Ephraim and all that. And and it's now becoming clear that, you know what, we need to find these these secondary options. It's definitely in, in a shortage because you know Ephraim's not getting the chances, Bostock's not getting the chances, Lamb one and six, do we say he's yeah. he's on I guess now he's on game three of of his he, yeah, he had one good game at home. Was that against Houston. It was Houston. Houston. Yeah, sure. Yes. So now he's uh, on. This was game, I think, three. Right. So yeah. he's, he's got a couple more to yes. go. Uh, yeah, so San Jose won't do anything. Columbus on the 18th, he won't do anything. The game after that, Lamb is going to be golden. Yeah. And you know what? If I'm not mistaken, that's New England. Oh. So the perfect opponent. <laughs> for him to, Excellent. To all of a sudden look really great and yeah. stand apart. Yeah. Um, so then it's, you know, again, highlighting yeah. these two key players, and we run through the second half. And I, I think we both thought there was points in this half where it could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I mean, a lot of time in that first half was the first half. Colorado didn't really do much in the second half. I I said to you, yeah, a goal's coming. But you know, I mean, TFC had their chances as well. There was one spell right about sixty minutes or so. We had a good like five, ten minutes or so. We were kind of right in their half, getting a few corners. There was pressure on. And, you know, obviously Earnshaw had a chance later on as well. You know, it wasn't a bad game from TFC. No, it wasn't at all. But, of course, it, it comes down to what we've expected. I don't even know. I don't even know if there's even any point of trying to be like, well, what is this? Like, what, what's happening? <laughs> it's, I know, it's something that's just totally in their head. Now, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You, know, you get to late in the game and they, it's something they think, oh, we always let a goal in, a goal in. it's like late that just gets in the head and they panic and they do something and that causes them to let it go in and Emery a ball stepping he could have fallen over and completely missed the ball and it roll out for a goal kick no problem he could have kind of stopped the ball maybe fell over but been able to stand up and block the shot he, he stopped the ball then fell over completely it, out of the way he made a perfect he, play he, he did <laughs> for Ezenbach it was the, the ultimate assist does MLS do assist of the week <laughs> if they do Logan Avery people well done and you know what and it's we, ridiculous one thing we haven't it hasn't been an official tracking but it's loosely tracked former TFC players who score on their former team <laughs> we had that and as well and yeah. here's another <laughs> another one to add to the yeah. tally mm-hmm. uh, it happens to get Edson Buttle Edson Buttle looking a bit porky I thought <laughs> little chubby had a bit of a spare tire going on this. yeah but yeah. I think I think he filled was, out his shirt there was a there was a play at the very end of the game with Reggie Lamb where I think he was giving him an earful <laughs> showing the pearly whites yeah. and uh did giving him a bit of a dig it looked like but <laughs> it's know. uh it's unfortunate that uh, Reggie know. just needs to be transferred to somebody else, and then hey, he'll be great, especially it's when he good. plays TFC. And that's the other interesting thing from this Colorado Rap- Rapids is uh, Nick LeBrock is on the field, yeah. Edson Buttles on the field. Who are the others? Marvell Wynn was not on the field, but he's he's there. He yeah. wears the colors. I said Jamie Smith, but he wasn't the Smith oh, that TFC had. That, was but he? No, that was the rumor. That was that was the fourth one. Is that because Jamie Smith was at one point rumored yeah. to Toronto FC? Yeah, we had Johan Smith and was it Gerard Jared Smith? Jamie Smith, wasn't it? One of the two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Johan Smith. <laughs> he was bad. Oh yeah, he was bad. And if I'm not mistaken, you know he, who he, he used to play for Darlington. Wee! Do you, I, and he was horrible. Do you know who the, if I'm. If, this would be a good little stat if someone could correct me if I'm wrong. The next player to come in through allocation, Will Johnson. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that worked out well. <laughs> wow. That, that's I seen. I, I, that's the, only reason, the only reason I remember that is because I remember when he came up and, of course, following the 
Canadian national team. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To have him. I think Will, Will Johnson would have worked out better than Johan. I'm just going to dribble the ball out of touch all by myself. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> I might have. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Toronto C drops uh, another late one. This time, all three points. Yes. Drop points, however you want to put it. Um, you know, moving into the game, there's sort of two things I think we can uh, move into. The first one I thought was an interesting observation we made during the game was that you know, two teams you had roughly two top ten draft picks mm-hmm. in and abouts yep. uh, between Colorado and Toronto. Colorado, both their players see playing time and have been seeing a lot of playing time. Mm-hmm. Toronto see not so much. Yeah, and I think it's a, I think it's an interesting discussion just to talk about when seeing this game. When you see Dylan Powers out there, Deshaun Brown, who's who subbed in late, but it's been getting quite He's a few been getting games, minutes, yeah. scoring goals, and uh, we have Kyle Becker and Emery Walshman, who it's been. Yeah, I, mean, I I still have high hopes for for Becker. I mean. He's like the last few games he's played. He's looked, you know, each game he seems to look less and less ready for this level. But I think, you know, he could be a good player. Welshman, I mean, I've never really seen anything specific to say, yo, yeah, he's worth doing whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean, the the annoying thing is we'll never know exactly how much allocation money we got. But you've got to look at TFC's strategy on draft day and was was it good or was it just case of right, yeah, let's do what we can and uh, you know we're going to get the Toronto boys and whatever cash we can yeah because that's the thing is you know we were looking through that top well I guess up to 11 for when uh, Dylan Powers comes in mm. I mean there's five or six guys that seem to be getting regular minutes especially you look at Alvarez you look at Farrell yep. you look at these two guys and you kind of add, you can't help at this point uh, to kind of look at that group and say to yourself hmm you know Toronto drafts a midfielder and even Kevin Payne made a comment about Becker's size uh, coming into the league, mm-hmm. and we saw obviously Dylan Powers. I mean, the guy's the guy's built. He was. Yeah, he's he's a solid, solid guy. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a guy who's also a midfielder, and it's funny because Colorado picked roughly the same positions as Toronto with a midfielder and a forward, oh. and and their players are out there contributing, and ours are not. So, I thought you know, when, especially when we're in a transition, I'm I'm just again questioning the strategy of why draft guys who can't immediately step onto the field when we've seen that there's some guys who can yep. and guys who are playing on teams who have a reputation for developing MLS caliber players or at least guys that can come in mm-hmm. against team programs like Boston College or if I'm not mistaken every Washington was in Oregon State that aren't in the toughest divisions and aren't really known for turning out mm-hmm. top level players. That's sort of the question that I have and wondering, you know, how this how, how this helps the team in the now. And obviously when we're sitting in this, it would be nice to have a player that's coming to the draft that's at least clocking in starting minutes. That would be good, definitely. And it's coming out of the draft, everyone was like, oh, Kevin Payne, he did great. And that was mainly based on like Payne's own statement saying that, yeah, these are the two guys we wanted and hey, we got all this cash as well. But were they really the two best guys? You had the number one and the number three pick. I, you didn't have to be, yeah, but the, you know, the, settling but, for for lesser players. You could have gone out some people who made an impact you know, either this season or you know potentially you go with players who maybe don't play that much this year but have a much higher upside. In Emery Welshman, he might be okay. I mean, I think like Kyle Becker could do all right. He's looked good. 
I'm certainly not willing to give up on him, but is Kyle, you know, Kevin Payne draft day genius? I'm not entirely sure of that, really. No, and you know what I think? Well, you know, now that I'm thinking back, but of course the one draft, I think it was 2009, where it was just like, shit, man. It was like shooting fish in a barrel. You really couldn't have gone wrong with that one. That was the one where we picked Brian Cronin and, and O'Brien White and, then and not they, Omar Gonzalez. And they got Pontius de-seeded. So, I mean, sure. yeah. I mean that's, I'm, that's a pick that I'm saying that, okay, obviously they did a good pick then. But, of course, I think also Kevin Payne DC's one of their strengths through the time that he was there was, of course, finding good talents outside of MLS and NCAA. And maybe that's something mm-hmm. we need to hold on to. And, again... We know that they said with Laba, I mean, they were looking at him for DC. Yeah, and yeah, this it, is a guy they've been following for a while, apparently. So, yeah, and that's the thing. We didn't, we got, we'll never know exactly how much allocation money we got and how much we needed. And in that way, it's it's one of those infuriating things about MLS. We can't really judge what we're talking about here. It, maybe we did make out like bandits, but we'll never know. Right. But, I mean, obviously, we were kind of tied up against the cap. So, I mean, if it is the case where you know, we needed that bit of money so that we could get someone like Laba now, rather than, you know, we have to wait until next year when, you know, Kuvermans is off the the salary cap or whatever it might be. And, you know, if we'd waited until then, when we got the money, maybe Laba or whoever just isn't available. So, if by having that allocation money, it's like, oh, we can get this guy now. You know, this is the one time he's available. We can bring these guys in. Maybe it does serve a purpose. But yeah, you, you, know, you got to think we could have done better from that draft. Well, and it's tough to it's tough to frame that or present that, uh, especially after tonight yeah. and after what we've seen for the last, I guess, five five or six games. Mm-hmm. And on that, you know, we I tried to come up with the angle. This and the listener might have to bear with us as we navigate through this last point because I. This is a point in the season where we've, you know, we're hovering around. We're getting into the middle part of the summer, yeah. where we've experienced seems like year after year trials and tribulations, whether it be. And I want. I was going because we've. I'm looking at 2010, 11, 12, and now this year, and it seems like almost every year we've, like you said, we've gone through rebuilds again and again. And I wanted to, you know, get your thoughts and and discuss, you know, where we are now the mistakes we made in the past and sort of, you know, just as, and this is obviously being thrown out to everyone, you know, in terms of, you know, as supporters, you know, what do we look at as the mistakes to avoid and the things that maybe Nelson and co are doing right so that we don't in a year go through this again. (laughs) Yeah. And that's sort of what I'm trying to dig out of. And when we look back on what happened when Preki was here, what happened when, Vinter came on board, and then obviously when when Mariner came through, the differences maybe, if there's anything different going on now and what we need to avoid from (laughs) those years past. Um, I mean, the thing, what's like the phrase, you've got to learn from your history or you're doomed to repeat it. You know, hey, we've got a lot of history to learn from, so we've made a lot of mistakes already, so hopefully we can avoid those. I think the main one is, and you you, you look at Colorado, is, you know, let's give this time. I mean, we've basically rebuilt which you know involves necessarily kind of like destroying the previous guy's team to an extent you know take that step backwards and then ideally you take a couple, two or three steps forwards when you build your own team and we've just done so many like changes like Preki, the Winter, the Mariner, now Nelson it's just so many times we've taken that step back we've never given anyone the time to really take those steps forward and you look at Colorado they're building a decent team you know they've given like Pareja time to, to do that 
you know, I mean, that, that's like the one thing that I'd say, you know, we really need to do is, you know, it's, it's probably going to be a, a rough year. There's going to be issues same as we've had, but stick with it. That's, that's the, the main thing to avoid. And one thing, I mean, as well, I mean, talking about how we you know, keep taking these steps backwards and backwards. I mean, you look at Preki, he started off the season after a couple of rough games. We did really well in like April, May and into June. We were doing really well because, I mean, you know, he had, it wasn't like, you know, he had like the basis of a, a fairly stable team. He got some guys out, but then each time, you know, each consecutive guy we brought in, he's kind of got rid of some guys, brought in his own guys. We keep going further and further back. And yeah. Well, you know, and the one, you know, here's the one thing that I wanted to to mention, and we talked about it during the game. And the one of the differences I think that are important to remember is the the infrastructure that was in place with Preki, with Vinter, with Mariner, and then what we have now, and and also with you know what those coaches before were saddled with in terms of players, mm-hmm. and especially I'm getting at was you know that two million dollar DP. <laughs> that they really didn't have a lot of option to That's work with. The, the one guy running through all the uh, right, and then also the of course, teams. and then the guy at yeah. the t- like. I mean, you can't really say that when Preki came on board, like except for possibly Mo Johnson, who I, you know we don't know what their relation was like. Where Thomas somebody wasn't like Preki's my guy. Like I mm-hmm. know him so well, yeah. and I know he's the perfect fit. And then or or Aaron Vinter's my guy. It's like <laughs> Aaron yeah. Vinter. No, I. Klinsman's my guy, and I really, I think if Klinsman he, says this guy's okay, so I looked him up on Wikipedia, and sure. Looks like he was on a cool team that played this really <laughs> cool formation yeah. that Barcelona plays, so hey. let's go for it. Well, and then even with, and even with, I mean, Mariner got his chance to make I think a, Mariner was Anselmi's guy. I, I, I think that's one guy where Mariner was, yeah, Anselmi was, hey, Aaron, yeah, yeah. Mariner, there's a guy who fits in. Now we have a situation, of course, where Payne comes in and Nelson comes in, and the sort of the the guys that we probably looked at as probably strange signings, or, or like, what are they going to do with Hasley? They got rid of him, and, yeah. and a lot of players that you probably could have seen as like the guys that you're like, I don't know how they're going to fit in with this transition. They got rid of them, mm-hmm. and a few of the guys that. They decided to keep like Hall and Dunfield have actually found a way to to stay on the team, and that might say something about those guys, their character. Yeah, Jeremy Hall. You mentioned him. Another good game today. He's had a few in a row. He's 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 looking a good player for sure. Consistent. Yeah. It's strange because it's like uh, I don't Who know. We ran it like uh, Steve Botcher did sort of like an article in the interview with him, and, it, and he made a funny point saying, especially this season, goes it's crazy how everyone said I was a right back. Everyone wanted me to become a right back, and then <laughs> yeah. these guys come in and they start telling me, "No, you, no, no, you're a midfielder." Back to where he was before, and you look mm-hmm. at, and the crazy thing is, you look at Jeremy Hall. Of course, is he came into the league at a young age. If I'm not mistaken, he came at 19 or 20, so yeah. he came out of college early. There's generation out of dust. Yeah, and, and, and he was at Maryland and scored a pretty good clip of goals for a midfielder. If I'm not mistaken, he has something like 27 or 30 goals over like an 80 or 90, like almost like a one in three, okay. one in four ratio. 
as a midfielder. Yeah. It's pretty impressive, and to still be 24, I think you kind of, some of these guys you forget where they are in their career mm. in terms of age and stuff like that and how young they really are. Yeah. And then I start to feel bad for just piling on him last year, <laughs> not remember, you know, kind of yeah. forgetting that it's like, oh, he's 23 or 24, I shouldn't be shitting on him. And now that I'm saying that, I can circle a back of the criticism I'm laying on Kyle Becker as a guy who's like, you know what, it's like, calm down. Yeah. You know, even like, you know, we would talk about last year. Tony Chani. I, I quite like Tony Chani. I still have hope for holding out yeah. for Tony Chani because he's he, still with Columbus, right? Or did they? He's still there. It's a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we're, I don't know. We're, we're such big Tony Chani fans. <laughs> uh, we Chani obviously fans, kept following yes. him and yeah. still wear our Tony Chani TSC jerseys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I had high hopes for Chani, and then. It was Iro. We gave him. We go back for Chani, wasn't oh, it? Yeah, that's that's, that's it's, yeah. It's like you know when you uh, I don't know if you follow like like boxing or combat sports when you follow like the linear mm-hmm. champion and it's like you look yeah. at. But Toronto City has so many linears that are just cut oh, off, and so there's nothing many. after it. Yeah. So we have like you know the D Rosario trade, and uh, there's no trail of that left on the team. Aaron Mond, we, we got a draft pick uh, for Dero in that trade, which we used on Aaron Mond, who we traded to Solvik for Justin Braun. So Justin Braun, we still got for Dero. And you look at another one of those, like Nick, Nick LeBrocker was playing today. We sold him to, uh, traded him to Chivas for Alan Gordon. Then obviously it's him San Jose for Ryan Johnson and Joe Bendick. So, you know, oh, kind of yeah. Joe Bendick for Nick LeBrocker, right? And that, that's one thing that. You know, you can talking about what can TFC do differently is stop making so many trades from positions of weakness. I mean, it's there's a lot of trades where it's, hmm, well, I guess it kind of makes sense. Yeah, we, we need to get some kind of forward, so we'll trade this guy for this, and we're getting the lesser player, but it kind of fills a need. And then again, we trade that guy for a defender because it's a lesser player, but we need a defender, and we just keep taking the overall quality of the squad down. Avoid doing that sort of thing. Just. No, let, let's not panic. Let's take a couple of years or so to build a proper squad. And Yeah, and I think the important thing is when you look yeah. at, maybe except for a, a short window with Vinter when he was fortunate enough to get uh, two DPs on the bounce, uh, is that you, know, you look at, I remember looking at like Preki's team and a few other and the early points with Vinter, and I guess you could maybe even say with, with Mariner is that part of the reason we were at where we're at is because when you look across that team week in week out Toronto would have only had two or three consistently high performing players and it was often an attacker and the keeper and I can think of you know obviously yeah. with with Preki you had we had Di Rosario and we had Fry and then of course and with Chad Barrett let's not forget Chad Barrett I, sorry carry on carry it's on. fair <laughs> you know listen I told you I'd let you get him in here at some point <laughs> Should we, start, should we do a Chad Barrett appreciation segment of the podcast, Brad? I, th- I think we should. That's where it all went wrong for Precky. We were doing fine until Chad, until Chad Barrett got injured. Fact. Look it up. <laughs> Look it up. But, of course, that's, I mean, so even when we're looking at now, I mean, uh, we've, of course, talked about Earnshaw. But Earnshaw and Bendick, you know, they're the, like the two big guys. You can say, yeah, and these even, guys have done their job this and, season. Yeah, and even though he's in scoring every day, every game, I mean, Earnshaw isn't going out there and having stinkers. Like, I wouldn't no. say today we were groaning about Earnshaw's effort like we've seen with John Bostock, like we've seen mm-hmm. with Reggie Lamb, like we've seen with Richter, yeah. or even when we've seen you know, at points with, uh, you know, Caleb had a rough game midweek. Players like that where you look front to back and some guys just, you're like, oh, this is a complete waste. Yeah, at the very least, Earnshaw, 
the he's a player that the opponent has to respect. And you've seen, you know, obviously those early games where he's just pouncing on mistakes. Basically, Earnshaw keeps the defense honest. They've got to be fully on their game. You know, he's someone they have to worry about. At the very least, he brings that. Ideally, he'd be bringing goals as well. But, you know, this year, obviously, this game, he, he got on the end of some chances. It didn't quite come together. In other games, it obviously will. But, yeah, at the very least, Earnshaw, when he's on the pitch, he's someone the opposition has to worry about. In the way that you know Andrew Wiedemann say they don't right have to worry about yeah and you, you know the one last little tidbit that I think I, I would want to add in terms of again when we're looking at those past incarnations of Toronto FC and the team now in terms of the the way the team's building you know I think we're going to see some we'll probably see midsummer changes I'm hoping for it you'd hope so yeah I'm hoping for it but I think the one good thing that if you know if you follow the team really closely and you kind of hear whispers and things like that is that it doesn't sound like the, a lot of these players are coming in via player agents and in the team relying on sort of that middleman to kind of tell them yeah the, this oh, isn't Barry McLean's team yeah anymore. check out this DVD yeah of these highlights where it's like mm-hmm. well of course that that is gonna look really <laughs> good yes and of course you know we gotta pay you some sort of commission and it's just this cycle goes on and on mm-hmm. where everyone seems to be patting each other on the back. You know, we've got this, it sounds like we've got this set up where Pat Onstad will hopefully at least have a look at these guys at some point ahead of time and can determine whether or not we mm-hmm. should move forward with it. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. the most the bizarre, most bizarre, I think, thing of the last six years that, you know, this is an organization where it seems they have no problem spending heaps of cash on their marketing department for a garbage team yeah. to go set up interviews to talk about the expendables two or three or whatever. <laughs> when, as, you know, as a support, I would imagine you and I would be more happy with that person's salary being used for a coach or a scout or yeah. something that actually is and, useful for the yeah. team. And you, you mentioned that, yeah, you know, Pat Onstan can do this, but this is the guy we've hired as our head scout who has never been a scout before, and you know, that seems a little odd, but yeah, I mean, it, it seems like there's a bit more effort going into that, and obviously the people coming in from England, these are people that Ryan Nelson has played with or against, so he kind of knows them, so yeah, I mean, it does seem there's there's more to it than there was before, for sure. Yeah, and then I think uh, we're winding down, you know, we'll look ahead to the next few games and sort of see what we're expecting, <laughs> you know, I guess with that in mind, you know, it's we have San Jose this week. I would be <laughs> yeah. looking Gar- for guaranteed injury time goal. Oh I, gosh, that, that's San Jose's thing. Yeah, they come back and they score late to tie it up or to win late. You know, Goonies never die. That's their thing. So, you know, obviously TFC, their thing it's is a perfect... to give up goals. It's it's a guarantee. It's a perfect matchup. If you're into sports betting, <laughs> go put a lot of money on that. It's going to happen. And if San, there, if San there is something for a late, if, after the 85th minute, if there is something for a late goal in that game, yeah, put all your chips on. Yeah, it. very Because you so. know it's going to happen. Yes. Uh, and then of course, if I have our if I have our schedule right, it's like that's it. We have San Jose. We have a break. We do. We have ten co- days off. Yeah, and then we have Columbus. And then if I'm not mistaken, we round the month off with New England. Mm. And maybe things will, maybe things will turn around. That's the point. But of course, it's on the road, so that doesn't help us that much. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I think that's that's just it. I mean, we're I'm looking ahead. I'm talking about games, but are we really? If we're really talking about results, are we just like we've already framed the the state of the club? Are we just looking for signs of progress? 
Are we just looking at something to kind of tide us over until the next guy comes, and then and then we can have instead of this delusional hope, we can maybe have uh, legitimate hope. Um, I think it, it's mainly signs of progress. You know, results, some kind of tangible results, points, whatever would be nice to kind of keep it going, keep the the fan base a little less surly. But yeah, it's it's about you know, signs of progress this year, and then hopefully next year. You know, we're at a position where we can be, uh, you know, competing for the playoffs and actually become, you know, a solid, respectable uh, MLS team. Yeah. I think, you know, if you talk about like the Voyagers Cup and everything, obviously we're out of that. You know, some people are, you know, saying it's a good thing we can kind of concentrate on, you know, just the basic league and there's no distractions. We can actually concentrate on just growing as a team. I think you know, probably next year as well. It'll be, you know, hopefully that's at the point where we're ready to compete. So. Maybe at that point it's best. Yeah, maybe we should bow out in the semi-finals again next year, and then hopefully by 2015. <laughs> at that point, you know, where we're a good enough team, where Mission 2015, we, yes, mm. where we can like compete in multiple con- competitions effectively. And well, let me ask, let me ask you: this. Were you way ahead of myself. at the start of this year? Were you thinking playoffs? No, no. Signs of progress. I, After the game of the dome, were you thinking playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, even then, it's yeah no, it's it's it was something that was never going to happen, and at some point, you know, we, we've got to actually just you know, suck it up and stick with it. Yeah, and I think one part of me that thinks, you know, in a way, it's a good thing. In a way, it's not. But one part of me is to think, okay, you know, we're doing this right. Is you know, again today, like no Canadian players in the starting lineup. Osorio came on, so it, we didn't go completely Canadianless. But you know, I think this is a good thing, really. We're, we're just focusing on being a good team. I think a lot in the past, a lot has been made of, you know, hey, we're four-time Canadian champions, or you know, look at all the Canadian players we're bringing through. It's like, you know, let, let's just become a good this team. Let's, it would be nice to be able to do all that sort of thing, but we obviously can't do that and be a good team let's let's just be a good team and then focus on bringing Canadians into that team and being able to compete in the Voyagers Cup and the CCL at the same time for now give Payne and Nelson time this year's gonna suck next year will be better hopefully and we go from there yeah and it's just like that's it I mean a lot of short term thinking a lot of short term celebrations and, and we're you know repeating the same thing over and over but you know what, Duncan? I think on on that note, we ticked off a lot of boxes. Sure. 2015. It's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> 2015. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Preseason 2015. Woo! Already. Already. I, I would. Yeah. You would. You would uh, raise a glass if there's anything left in it. Yeah, I would. I was about to cheer with an empty glass. But hey, you know what? At least the Leafs won. Hey, uh, they did. That's nice. Yeah, some some to celebrate there. First first playoff win since. 2003, four, whatever it was. Well, you knew, you knew that. I don't know the exact year. But, uh, I don't know either. Mm-hmm. And that's the crazy thing. We've been here the last the last two games, and this was a little more crowded. I guess it was Saturday night. It wasn't a midweek game, but I gotta be honest, like zero interest at all. <laughs> I haven't, haven't. I'm curious. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch. You know, if I'm at home, I'll put the game on. It's. So you know what, uh, Duncan? I think we'll leave it at that. I. I don't know what I'll promise about the, uh, the next episode because I don't know, West Coast game you, in the middle you, of the week. You can promise a, a late goal. 
That's yeah, all. Yeah, I'm probably also promising in terms of if there's going to be a podcast or not. Maybe uh, I'll, I, I was actually thinking I might wait until the weekend, fill the gap between the ten day, the ten day break, something sure. like that. So don't think you're going to wake up Thursday morning with something uh, newly <laughs> uploaded on your iTunes. Just to put that out there. But uh, Duncan, thanks for being on. You have two Twitter accounts. That's how much of a big shot you are. You can yes. find you at two places. At Waking the Red. Yes. And at Duncan Fletcher. Uh, Duncan D. Fletcher. Somebody took Duncan Fletcher. Probably that cricket guy. I don't know. But Duncan D. Fletcher. So. He's not important. No, no. Not at all. <laughs> so you can catch him there. And, of course, everything on, on Waking the Red, Toronto City and Canada is Absolutely. on Waking the Red. And, of course, I'm at Clark Rino. You can reach out on email. Correct the facts. Call us out. <laughs> pretty cool with all that you think we don't usually uh, get all defensive or hyperactive about it so on that note like I said thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you guys Eastside Stand Up is the only Toronto C specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens we want you to be involved reach out to us on Twitter through hashtag ESSU or at Red Nation Online you can email us at have your say at Red Nation Online or info at Red Nation Online. Get into the discussion on Toronto FC through Eastside Stand Up and Red Nation Online. They don't understand you, for you are him.